0: You know it was um september the 18th this last september five years ago september 18th i was sitting in my den in fairhope and you know the story god spoke to me and told me to start a church for scattered sheep and i told the lord i've never done that before he said i know but you know i said i'll do it lord One of the hardest things I've ever done in the sense of the people that didn't understand. But today marks five years. Five years ago today, we started Luke 418. Let's give the Lord a hand. Would you do that? We start our sixth year. And I'm so excited about it. It's going to be the greatest year in the history of our church. Our building, you need to go by and see it. It is coming along awesomely. We'll be in it in July. Just think, that's only about six months away from now. It's going to be so wonderful, wonderful to have our own place, and we give God the glory. The main thing the Lord told me during these three months that I've been out, and I'm not going to preach on it today because he wouldn't let me, but he told me not to settle for less than he has for us. You know, it's so easy. Now, stay with me. As a Christian, to get comfortable, to get satisfied, to get complacent. And we settle for less than God wants for us. That's why Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so I'm praying that you individually as a Christian and us as a church will not settle for less than God has for us and for our city. But this morning, he told me to bring a message on freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And I want you to think about this. Are you really free? Are there still areas of your life that you feel bound up? And you just know it's not what it ought to be. And you say, man, I wish I could get freedom in that area of my life. Well, I want to talk to you about how you can get the freedom freedom. That God wants you to have. I want you to turn in your Bible to John 8. We'll look at verse 24 and then we'll look at a couple other verses. But our main scripture that I want you to look at is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. But we'll start with John 8, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. All right, as you've turned, now I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint this message. Let it go forth in power. And let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. This week I thought of a, a saying that most of you will know exactly who said it and the setting it was set in. And I'm using it to talk about freedom. So don't think about the circumstance, but just listen to these words. The words were this, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And I know who said that, and I know the setting in which we're just said. But now I want to take that further. That could, should be true of every child of God. If you're Second Corinthians 5.17, if you are a new creation in Christ, and old things have passed away, and all things have become new, You know what you need to be able to say? Free at last. Free at last. Thank God through the presence and power of Jesus. I'm free at last. And you know, that's why he came. He said in Luke 4, 18, I'm gonna deliver the captives. And in John 8, Jesus talked about this matter of freedom. So look, first of all, in verse 24, Where he said to the, um, to those that were uh, listening, he said, the Jews, he said, now listen, in verse 24, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Those are the saddest words in the Bible. Jesus, they they heard Jesus. They saw the glory of God in him. And he said, but I'm telling y'all now. If you don't believe I'm he, you're going to die in your sins. And then he went on over in verse 31. Now listen to this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. These were some Jews that had believed in him and were trusting him. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Now listen to this. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free I'm telling you it's not what you perceive it's not what the world tells you it's when you know you continue in the Word of God you know the truth and it is the truth received and believed that sets you free and I want you to look down in verse twenty thirty six. 36 therefore if the Son of Man makes you free hallelujah You are free indeed. And so, man, there's freedom in Christ. There's no question about it. And the thing about it is, many of us know Jesus. We're new creations in Christ. But, man, we still got areas of our life that that we're bound up, and we're not free, and we're not having the abundant life that God wants us to have. And so, brother Fred, what is the truth? What is the truth that if we know it sets us free? Of course, there are many truths in the Word of God. But I just want to take one, two verses. And I guarantee you, if you'll receive this truth, this is a money-back guarantee, okay? If you'll receive this truth and walk in it, God will use it to set you free. He will. So, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. And Jesus was talking about uh, that there were a great cloud of witnesses that had gone before. And then he talked to them about that, what they were supposed to do. And so in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Therefore, and in chapter 11 he talked about Moses and Abraham and Enoch and Isaac and all, and Abel and, and all of, he says, therefore, talked about all the men and women of God who lived, and many who were martyred, but who were faithful witnesses. And he said, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, then he tells us how to be free. Listen to what he said. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, one, lay aside every weight. Two, and the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us and then he said the key looking unto jesus got to keep your eyes on jesus you're going to lay aside some weights you're going to learn how to deal with certain sins and then you're going to keep your eyes on jesus and as you do that you're going to know a freedom that you've never known before you know um I love the idea where Jesus, where the writer of the Hebrews said, I want you to lay aside every weight. And, 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 but, but he talked about the cloud of witnesses. You know, God showed me something that I had never seen before. Now, the writer of the Hebrews was referring to those who had gone before, and he starts off with Abel, and then he goes to Enoch, and then he goes to Noah. And he talks about Abraham. And he talks about Moses. He said, now these were all faithful to God. They were free. They walked in freedom. And we're surrounded by people who knew the freedom that was in God. I said, you know, that's right. But the Lord seemed to say to me, well, those people lived thousands of years ago. What about the crowd of witnesses that are around you now? And I got to thinking, I went all the way back to when I was 20 years old and pastored my first church. And I began to think of every church. I pastored 10. The first one I thought of was Pine Grove. It was about five miles from Greedyville, South Carolina. It was so far out in the country, if you bought a new suit, it'd be out of style by the time you got there. (laughs) On a good Sunday, we had 50. Most of the time, we had 35. But you know... I thought about the Kirby's. I was 20 years, I thought about the Kirby's. They were a part of the cloud of witnesses. Then I moved to the second church, which was Providence Baptist, which was right outside of Leedsville, South South Carolina, about 25 miles from Columbia. And as I thought about Providence, I thought about a cloud of witnesses. I thought about the Rice Singers. They were free. They were full of love. They were witnesses to me that you can really be free in Jesus Christ. Then I went to the third church that I pastored. It was Piney Green. It was right close to Clinton, North Carolina. You know, I lived, uh, I lived here. And then there was a big tobacco field. I mean, they were growing tobacco. I think I got emphysema just smelling it. And then there, there, there were a group of Native American Indians that lived right on the other side. It, it was quite an experience. But you know, I thought about the Pattersons. And man, I thought about how seeing their love and walk with Christ told me, man, there's freedom, that you can know the fullness of God. And then I went to the next church, which was Eastview Baptist. Only stayed at this church long, not too long because Ann got sick after our second child. But I went to Eastview Baptist, and uh, it was about 10 miles from my home, right outside of Rock Hill, Eastview. It grew wonderfully. But I thought about, you know, in a hard time in my life, that was Willard. And you know the thing about Willard? He, was, he wept most of the time. In my heart, I I thought of him as Weeping Willard. And then there was Wayne. And then there was W.H. and Henderson. And you know, in a difficult time in my life, when I needed a cloud of witnesses to encourage me, praise God. You know, in every church, there was a cloud of witnesses who encouraged and showed that there is true freedom in Jesus Christ. Then I told the Lord if he'd open the door for me, I'd go to seminary. And we had two children at the time, and the seminary I'd go to was Texas, uh, Fort Worth. And I said, I'll tell you one thing, God will never move me from Rock Hill to Fort Worth, Texas. Don't ever say what God won't do. <laughs> I was called to a church one mile from the seminary. I said, I go or I get lockjaw, one or the other, I'm telling you. But I thought about Forest Park. All these churches ran about 100. If you ran maybe 250. They all were small churches. All while I was in school. But I thought about Forest Park. And I thought about the Barrett's. And the Sloan's. And I said you know Lord. They're part of that cloud of witnesses. And then I left there to go to another church. In the suburbs of, Mobile, of, uh, of Fort Worth. Called Golden Gate. In the middle of a changing community. And I thought of the Busters. And the Leggits. And I said God in every church I went to. You had a great cloud of witnesses that encouraged me and let me know that there's real freedom in Jesus Christ. Then I graduated and went to Monaghan Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. It was right in the middle of the Monaghan Mill. All the houses had been built by the mill, the textile plant, and the church was right there about a block from the mill. And uh, it was a a textile community. But you know, one of the finest christians i ever knew was named wendy he was an insurance man but i'll tell you he was a witness in my life and then there was carl and then there was um dickie hughes and i said lord i don't have to go to hebrews 11 to see a great cloud of witnesses man i can go right to where i've been And the places you put me. And there were people who knew what it was to be free in Christ. And to know the fullness of God. Then from Monaghan, I went to Woodlawn Baptist Church. Stayed four years. Boy, what a wonderful church. But you know, there were two people. There was Martha Smith. She was not related to Miss Bertha, but she knew her well. And she said, Brother Fred, we need to have Miss Bertha in our church. I said, we do. And I didn't even know what I say, and I said, we do. And, and then there was uh, uh, Wayne and other people at, at, at Woodlawn. And man, they were just so encouraging and, 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 and such a great cloud of witnesses. So I just went back and went through every church. And it came from Woodlawn to Cottage Hill. Now, 90% of the people I'm talking about here have already gone to be with the Lord. And I could spend the rest of the day talking about the people at Cottage Hill, but I thought about Bill. And then I thought about Adelaide. And then I thought about Walt. And these people are all with Jesus now. And I remember what a great cloud of witnesses they were to encourage me. Now, folks, let me say something. You're not an island. You don't walk alone. There are people around you who are a cloud of witnesses to you. And they can encourage you that, hey, there's more to the Christian life than going to church. There's more to the Christian life than than religion. Don't do this and do, do that. And so I thought about the great cloud of witnesses. But then... I did go to Lubbock for six months. Do any of y'all remember that? They said, well, why'd you stay six months? Doesn't take me long to get the job done. I mean, I never will forget when I came back from Lubbock, this lady wrote me and said, you came out here and told me you loved me and married me, and now you divorced me. I said, I couldn't answer that. I mean, I just knew God told me to go back to Cottage Hill. And, but there was one man, he's still living. He calls me about every two or three months. His name was Larry. Oh, What a man of God. What a witness that encouraged me. And so listen, and you're a witness, by the way. You're a witness. And you can be an encouragement to all the people that God has put around you and in your life. But then I got to thinking about this passage. And and this this is where some of you have got to, you've got to get free right here. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Obviously, we're running a race, and he said, some of you are not doing well because you're weighted down. You are weighted down, and you've got to get rid of those weights so that you can be free in Christ. And then he said, you've got to deal with the sin that easily trips you up. I got to thinking about the weights. Now, there's one thing that I do know having pastored now for, since I was 20, so Lord, I don't know how old that is. Well, it ended about 55 years. Let me tell you something. You know the biggest weight that keeps most people from going on and being free in Jesus? They can't close the door on their past. They just can't do it. In other words, see, in order to go on with Jesus and to experience the freedom that we have in Him, we have to learn how to close the door The door on the past and that's so difficult because the devil is the accuser of the brethren and he constantly reminds us of our past sins and past failures and past disappointments and past hurts listen I'm telling you there's one good thing there's a million good things about coming to Jesus And that is this, when Christ comes into your life, he takes care of your past. Hallelujah. And you can close the door on your past because you don't live there anymore. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Now I'll say this, a part of closing the door on the past, we have to deal with the sin that trips us up. Now, I want to ask you a question. See, I want you to be free. But you've got to close the door on some sin. Sins in your life that you haven't dealt with. You've confessed them, God, I, I know that's a sin. But you know, you keep on practicing. And see, you're not going to be free. You remember what Jesus told these uh, uh, Jews when he told them about being free? They said, We're we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anyone. And Jesus said, whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. And so some of you have got to deal with sin in your life, present tense. You've got to thoroughly repent. Thoroughly repent. And, and, And the way you can know you've repented is you don't practice it anymore. I didn't say you were perfect. I didn't say you never slipped up or fell, but I said that the way you can know you've repented of a sin is you no longer practice it. It is not your lifestyle. So you've got to close the door on your past. And part of that is dealing with present sins. But now listen, you've got to release those past sins. You've already asked God to forgive you. The blood of Jesus has already cleansed you. And God's given you the righteousness of His Son. But the enemy just keeps reminding you, yeah, but look, look what you did there. And how could God ever love anybody that did that? And how could anybody ever go to heaven that was that wicked or that ungodly? And, and, and I'm telling you, man, a modern writer, he was a psychologist. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he got this right. He said 80% of his patients would get well if they could deal with their guilt. I'm telling you, there are people that are not free in Christ and they're running and they're weighted down. They're weighted down because they haven't been able to deal with the guilt of their past. Listen, I'm telling you, here's the greatest news I've ever heard. A part of the new covenant is that when God forgives you of your sin, God forgets about them. So why should you keep digging them up and remember them when God's forgotten about them? The other day I was thinking... About walking with the Lord. And, and, and I, I thought about well. I wonder what the Lord thinks about that. It was something in my life. And it, and it was it just the devil just trying to discourage me. Well I wonder what the Lord thinks about that. And it occurred to me. He don't think about it. Because he forgot it. Hallelujah. Man you got to close the door. On your past. Sins you're dealing with, past sins that have been forgiven. But let me tell you another thing. You're not going to be free till you close the door on the hurts and the wounds that you've experienced in your life. And see, if you don't deal with the hurt, and if you don't deal with the wounds, and you don't deal with the disappointments, then you become bitter and you become angry. And you become unforgiving. I, I'll be honest, I was thinking, and every time this person's name comes to my mind, it, w- it was about a letter uh, that, that this person wrote me. And what made it difficult was a pastor that wrote it. And it wasn't invited at Cottage Hill anywhere like that. But he said some awful things. And every time I see his picture, or every time I hear his name, something rises up in me and says, "You know, he—he's he, not a man of God. He's a phony." I see that—that's—that's a, that's a lie. And, and God's saying to me, "You—you—you you, you haven't released him." You haven't forgiven him. So what I do is immediately, I say, well, listen, I have forgiven him, Lord. And it's under the blood of Jesus. And I ask you to bless him and ask you to anoint him and ask you to put a hedge of protection around him. See, when the thought comes up that would cause bitterness to rise in your heart, deal with it. Don't you uh, harbor it. Don't you even think about it for two minutes. I mean, you deal with it and say, Lord, that is in my past And I have forgiven them, and it's done with, and I will not be bitter, and I will not be angry, and I will not be unforgiving. I'm telling you, if you don't deal with the uh, the hurts of your past, you're never going to be free. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard to forgive? Why is it so hard to forgive? Some of you are saying, "Brother Fred, I don't have any trouble forgiving. You have trouble lying is what you got. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> oh boy, do you have to but let me tell you three things about forgiveness. You, you've heard them before, and you'll hear them again. You know why it's so hard to forgive? Because the pain is real. You know, it, you can be hurt. Well, if you were a good Christian as you ought to be, you wouldn't be hurt. Don't give me that garbage. You're a human being. You've got emotions. You've got feelings. Come on now. And no matter who you are, you can be heard. And that's why it's so painful. It's painful. And it's so hard to forgive because the pain is real. But you know another reason? And I know you know this, but please, please write this on the tables of your heart. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It is a choice. If you wait till you feel like forgiven. You will never forgive. You won't. So what you've got to do is make a deliberate choice. Lord it hurts. But in the name of Jesus. I make a choice to forgive her. And to forgive him. And it's done. I forgive them. I place it under the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for them. And ask you to bless them. You say, wait a minute, that's carrying it a little bit too far, Brother Fred. Well, you know what Jesus said? Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. You say, I want you to take that out of the Bible. I didn't put it in there. But see, the reason it's difficult is you've got to make a choice. Then when you make a choice to forgive, then your emotions will catch up with your choice. And you'll find forgiveness as a reality. See, you've got to close the door on your past, past sins, past hurts, disappointments, and failures. But, but you know, the third reason it's so hard to forgive is because forgiveness does not mean approval. You say, that's easy for you, say, Brother Fred, but if you knew the hurt and the depth of it, uh, you're telling me it doesn't matter. You're telling me it's okay. Listen, I'm not telling you that. It was wrong then, and it's still wrong. And forgiveness does not mean approval. When Jesus looked down from the cross and asked those that were killing him, Father, forgive them. He didn't approve of that, but he knew the Father had allowed it. And and, and even though he didn't, when they were stoning Stephen to death and the rocks were pounding him and, 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 and leading him toward eternity, he said, forgive them, Father. Listen, forgiveness does not mean approval. It was wrong, but you see... Doesn't matter that it was wrong. Think of how many times God has forgiven us. And so we forgive others. There's one other thing I got to say about this closing the door on your past past sins, past hurts and disappointments, past failures. You know, some of you, it's not necessarily a, a sin. And it's not that you're bitter. Unforgiving, but you know, all of us have had some failures in our life. Every one of us have had some failures. Maybe you had a marriage that failed, it may be that you were lost and you didn't live right and you didn't care. Well, then you repented and you got saved, and God wiped that record clean. Okay, you mean to tell me, Brother Fred, if I got divorced before I saved. And once I got saved, God forgave me and forgot about it. That's exactly right. Are you telling me that's the only sin God won't forgive? But, but, but you can't get over that failure. And the devil just says, see, it was your fault. You'll never be a good husband. You'll never be a good wife. And it's just your fault. And he reminds us of our failures. And I tell you, if you don't learn to say, but wait a minute. Nobody was perfect. Jesus was the only one. And I, I know I'm more wiser now, and I want you to understand that I'm not going to live with that failure hanging over my head the rest of my life. I'm not going to live there. God's mercy is, is, is abundant. God's mercy is abundant. God's grace is sufficient. And I am just going to close the door on those failures. I don't live there anymore. But this is the most important part if you're going to have freedom, okay? You've got to deal with past uh, you've you got to see that cloud of witnesses around you. You've got to close the door on your past. And, and you've got to learn uh, to, to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus for the freedom that you desperately need. Now, this passage, if we, if we can get this truth in us, it, 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 it is, we've got to close the door on the past. But then he said... Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Don't look back. Don't look up. Look inside. You say, wait a minute, brother Fred. What do you mean? Listen, here's the good news. Now I want you to get this. It's the truth that sets you free. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go away. And where I'm going, you cannot come. And they said, but Lord, what are we going to do? And and now listen to what he said. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you and leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, how did Jesus come to us? He comes to us in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ the spirit of god and i'm telling you jesus bodily is at the right hand of the father on high and he has all power and all authority and praise his holy name but he's not only seated at the right hand of the father but he's come to live inside of us in the person of the holy spirit praise god i don't have to look out there for jesus if I'm a child of God, I can just look inside. You know, these verses, why in the world haven't we gotten them? Now listen to this. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, 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 and what an awesome, awesome truth. And then Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. And then I love it where it says over there in the book of Acts, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is where Jesus Christ has come to live in the person of the Holy Spirit. I love Colossians 1.27, when Paul said there was a mystery that and a mystery there meant something they had not understood. He said there was a mystery, but it's now revealed. Now listen to what it was. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said the fact that Christ lives in you is your hope of freedom. John fifteen, Jesus said, "I'm the vine." Your branch, you've got to abide in me. You have got to keep your eyes on me, A- and you've got to know that I'm in there, living inside of you. All I am, I am in you. And said, so you've got to me. You've got to look to me. You know, most m- many of you read that devotional book called G- entitled Jesus Calling. Did some of y'all read that? So many of us. I love it. But boy, she said something about three days ago. <laughs> But I said, well, glory to God. She said in about the second sentence, she said, whatever situation comes into your life, immediately say, Jesus, I trust you. If everything goes (coughs) goes wrong, Jesus, I trust you. If your husband tells you you don't want to be married anymore, Jesus, I trust you. If you lose a job that you've been at for 25 years, Jesus, I trust you. He said, whatever circumstance comes into your life, Christ lives in you. And instead of focusing on that circumstance, you just say, Jesus, I trust you. Folks, I'm telling you, Christ lives inside. And in all that he is, he is in us. I'm not looking out there for the strength, and I'm not looking out there for freedom. I'm looking to Jesus who lives in me and surrendering to him, asking him to control my life and saying, Jesus, I want you to take control of my will. Now look, listen to me. You said, but brother Fred, I tried so hard. That's your problem. You're trying hard. You need to trust Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, I can't do that. I can't do that." You know, you can't, you've been trying. I can't do that, Jesus. He said, I know it, but trust me, trust me. Depend on me. Let me be your strength. Let me be your life. Friend, don't look outside. Remember, it's Jesus in you. I had someone very close to me who recently got separated from her. They were not married at the time. And so she called him and she said, you know, I'm not happy. Let me tell you something. If you're looking to people to make you happy, you won't be happy. <laughs> Happiness depends on circumstances. But you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord, Christ in us, Christ lives in me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It is the presence of Jesus He promised you His presence. We sang about it. He promised you His peace, and it'll always be there. But you've got to tap into it. And I want to encourage you to stop looking outside and start looking inside and trusting Jesus. Say, You live in me. All that you are, you are in me. You're the greatest forgiver that ever was. And through me, you can forgive. You conquered every sin. And through you, Jesus, living in me, I can conquer that sin by your power. Let me just tell you something, folks. He said, now, if you're going to finish, you've got to lay aside some weights. You've got to keep running. And you've got to look unto Jesus. You've got to look unto Jesus. And I want to encourage you, I don't know what you'll go through in 2013. Jesus may come and take us out of all of it. Praise God. You say, Brother Fred, I mean, I mean, that would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, great day. (laughs) Praise God. That beats having heart surgery, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) If Jesus tarries and you go through 13, you come to the end of it, just remember, man, I close the door on the past. I dealt thoroughly with the sin in my life. And I closed the door on that sin. And I'm not living in my past sins and failures. And I'm looking to Jesus who lives in me. And everything he is, he is in me. And every time I get in a good place or a tough place, I'm going to say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. And then you release him. Surrender to him. Surrender to him. And you release him to live his life through you. That's a life-changing message. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, Manly Beasley and Stephen Olford and Ian Thomas and Bertha Smith, all those people were part of the cloud of witnesses at Cottage Hill. I got to thinking about all the people who went through Cottage Hill and their message was Christ in you. I thought about Roy Hessian and, and, and Manley and Ron Dunn and Peter Lord, and Jack Taylor, and and on Miss Bertha, and on and on I could go. God sent to us a great cloud of witnesses. And they said to us, listen, freedom is in Christ. It is in Christ. And as you look to Him and trust Him every day, with every situation, you say, God's not interested in that. There's not one thing in your life God's not interested in. So I want to encourage you. Don't look to yourself. Looking unto Jesus. He lives in you. And let him be Lord of your life. And let him live his life through you. And you'll be able to say at the end of 2013. By the way, you live life one day at a time. I read this week where someone said, praise God, the future comes one day at a time. That's a good statement. Think about that. It's not what's going to happen this month. It's what's going to happen today. But if you go through uh, this year closing the door on the past, focusing on Jesus who lives in you, you know what you'll be able to say day by day? Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, in, by the presence and power of Jesus, I am free at last. Amen?